Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Self Love Club. A place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm Val Crawford and you can find out more about why I've launched this club at valcrawford.com. I'd love for you to join it and trust me, it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme. It's literally just a club where you can come hang out. It's going to be a fun time. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Simone Anderson started a journey to change her life in 2014. She shared her progress on social media, quickly attracting a large audience who followed her as she lost 92 kilograms. This gained worldwide media attention, which included being interviewed on Tyra Banks' talk show. I know, right? Simone is now one of New Zealand's leading social media influencers and content creators with a strong following of over 550,000 across her social media accounts. We're very lucky to have Simone share her inspiring story on the Self Love Club podcast. All right, Simone Anderson, how are you? Good, thank you. Good morning. Welcome into the studio. Hey, um, and congrats on your book. I know it's been out a little while now, but that is super exciting. Thank you so much. No, it's a massive achievement and still feels very surreal to me. Yeah, and it's still topping like bestseller book uh, lists as well, which is always a good thing when you release a book. Yeah, it's doing very well, which <laughs> actually has surprised me. Yeah, and so your book is very inspiring. I think like it's a really good read in terms of like anyone can sort of read it and it doesn't take too long because, you know, it's just a really good story. I think regardless if someone was battling with weight issues or not, like you did it so incredibly well. Like I think whenever anyone hears your story and the number as well, like it's just like, what? How did she do that? So. Take us through your book and how did you do what you have done? So basically, if you want like an overview of my journey and what I've been through, this is what the book is about. And it talks a lot about my early childhood years. It talks about what led to my weight gain and I guess battles that I've had, you know, terrible relationships that have led to in turn bad relationships with food. And it really has been my struggles, but also my triumphs. So it's, it's the whole picture. My journey began like when I decided to change my life in 2014 and it was a really sort of build up of these little, little things. And it, you know, each one individually didn't seem like a massive deal. But when you looked at them as an overall picture, that's when I realized that I was actually really only living this half life. I wasn't living a life that a 23-year-old should be living. I was turning down beach trips with friends. I was, you know, struggling to bring the bins up the driveway. I couldn't fit in a plane seat. All these things that I didn't think, you know, I should be worrying about at 23. And I guess all these little moments individually, I just kept pushing them aside and making an excuse and, you know, sort of just, I guess I was in denial and I was lying to myself. And it wasn't until there was one day I was interning at the jewellery factory where I worked and they had this massive commercial scale and they were all chatting about how it was going to be collected the next day because they'd sold it. And at that point in time, I didn't actually know what I weighed because all household scales would say error or fail. So I thought, okay, this is my chance. I've got a day to get on these scales. And while everyone was in their lunch break, I snuck down and I stood on these scales and that's where I saw my weight for the very first time. And that was a moment I couldn't lie to myself anymore and I couldn't deny it and I had to face this number. 
and it was 169 kgs. It was enormous. It's it's not something that I could be like, oh, you know, I'm a little bit overweight. I was morbidly obese and I had to make some changes and it had to be then. And it was it definitely wasn't easy. I went back up to the office and I cried for hours and hours and I thought, how can I attack it this time? And that's where this sort of the idea of keeping myself accountable and sharing my journey online really began. What was it like that day when you're like, right, this is it, I'm changing my life? Was it just an ordinary day? Like, did anything happen for you that was like a bit different? Or did you just, were you just like, no, this is it, I'm changing my life today? It was 100% a normal day. I went to work, I got a pie and a donut and a muffin <laughs> on the way to work. I had my V and I was sitting in the office. And then it wasn't until they brought up that scales that I really even thought about it. I think, you know, the triggering point for me was actually seeing that number and knowing that, you know, I was 23 and weighed that amount. I was only gaining weight each year. I could easily be 200 kgs before I knew it and probably bed bound. And I didn't want that life for myself. I didn't want to live that way. I wanted family. I wanted kids and I wanted to be able to run around and not have to worry about my weight for the rest of my life. Yeah, and to live your life. And you talk about in the book as well, you weren't like, you weren't always overweight. In fact, as a child, you were like really slim and really athletic and into your sports, weren't you? Yeah, I was incredibly fit and healthy. And I was, you know, I was a top swimmer. So I was training morning and night for an hour. I was doing so much exercise and I never had to worry about my weight because of the amount of exercise I was doing. I could eat whatever I wanted. It was always healthy food because mum was incredibly healthy. Weight never was an issue for me as a child. It wasn't really until my teenage years where I ended up, I actually broke my arm on the mountain and shattered it in a few places. And I was in a cast for six months. And that's when I just became inactive and my food, con- you know, food intake continued to increase. And I think that's, you know, so I would say the initial point of my weight gain. Yeah. And you talk about how like, you know, in our teen years with like relationships, bad relationships, I think a lot of us can relate to using food to comfort ourselves or or not eat. So like were there was there times in your teen years, maybe with like relationships, late teens that really affected your relationship with your body and your weight? Yeah, definitely. I was 15 when I got into a relationship with a man that was 10 years my senior. And that was an incredibly controlling relationship. He would check my car every time I left the house to make sure I didn't have a change of outfit or he wouldn't let me see my friends or family. Um, I really loved this very sheltered. I was with him for six years. So I had this incredibly sheltered teenage life where he controlled every element of my world. And the only element I felt like I had some sort of control over was the food I ate. And it gave me a huge sense of comfort. It was the only element in my life that really made me feel happy. And, you know, I I could rely on it. I could make a beautiful meal at night and, you know, I could gorge out on that. And it gave me some sort of, I guess, relief in a way. And like, I guess like as those relationships go by, you know, like I think a lot of us have been in one where whether it be controlling on bad things happen, like you do find a lot of strength out of that, but you also can get like, it can be quite destructive as well for yourself. Oh, definitely. I honestly, I, I didn't want to leave him for the sheer fact that he made me feel like I would never be anything without him. I would never achieve or do or be. And so I just had settled in my, you know, my head that this was going to be my life and he was going to be my life. And, you know, I couldn't be or do anything without him. And it's, it's, he'd, he'd really made me feel that bad about myself that that's all I believed I would ever live up to. Yeah. And how did you manage to get out of that situation and, and any other situations that were similar? It was actually at the age of 21 and I just had my 21st birthday. And I remember I was there with all my favorite people in the whole world and I was absolutely miserable because he was there too. And I thought, this needs to change. I'm 21. I'm starting my life really yeah. and I'm becoming an adult. And I thought, I don't see him in my future. And I had to just get out. One day when he was at work, I had my friends come over and help me move everything else out of the house had to block him on everything block his number and just that was my end call for him yeah and there are a lot of um whether they be girls or guys that are often in these relationships whether it be controlling or just make you feel really crap about yourself what would you tell yourself now or tell those people what would you be your best 
point of uh, like piece of advice because I think a lot of the time you do feel like you're stuck and that you have no way out of it. Oh, absolutely. And it's a message I get constantly from men and women is that they're in these relationships that are not serving them, but yet they can't find the strength to leave. And I, I think it's something that we need to work on ourselves internally and know that we actually, we are better than them. We can achieve more than them and they aren't our be all and end all. We were fine without them and we're going to thrive without them as well. And it's it's incredibly hard because they can make you feel worthless, but you need to find that strength in yourself to know that you can be more than what they're bringing to the table. And career-wise as well, I mean, you've had an awesome career, and now what you do, like, we'll talk how you've done it, but, like, you know, tell us about, like, your school. What was, what was school like for you? Um, I went to a private girls' school in Auckland, and I loved school. I, right through, I, I always thrived and I always achieved really well. And even through high school, I, I was always a top achiever. So school was a really nice environment for me. And it, it was an all-girls' school, so I, my weight never really affected that. You know, girls were always amazing and really kind. And That's they, nice. Yeah, I had a really, some girls can be so mean. Yeah, I had a really lovely group of friends, and my weight didn't really get in the way of any of my friendships. Obviously, they were concerned for me and would bring it up from time to time, but in a really loving way but they never let it affect you know they saw past my weight and they saw me as a person which was it was really lovely and I never didn't feel supported at school yeah did like did your weight like during school did it really get you down or did you just sort of learn to live with it and you were sort of happy anyway I think it actually did get me down but externally I never showed it and I probably tricked myself into thinking that it was actually okay I'd find ways of just turning every situation that would happen to me to do with my weight around and just try and see a positive side of it or you know I would just made excuses for it I remember in I think I was 16 and we were zorbing um down in Rotorua and we all had to get weighed and put it have our you know weight put on our hand and everyone was going through the process and I stood on the scales and they said actually you're too heavy to do this They said it quite quietly so no one else heard. And it was that I just felt sick and I felt so embarrassed. And I was like, well, I don't want everyone knowing I'm too Mm. heavy to do this. So I I pretended I was sick and pretended I wasn't feeling well just to, you know, come up with a reason that I wasn't going to be doing the Zorbing. Yeah, and you you are such a positive person and it sounds like you always have been quite positive. So, like, this stuff would have really dragged you down. Oh, absolutely. If you can't do things that everyone else in your life are doing, it definitely makes you feel a little bit worthless. Yeah. And so what about like after school? What did you want to do career-wise? Like what happened work-wise for you? Um, I left high school and I it had sort of been drilled into us at school that we had to go to university. That was the only path in career. So <laughs> I went to um, Auckland University and started studying a BCom. But, you know, I just wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't for me. Despite the fact that I was an incredibly good studier at school, going into that university environment, I felt really isolated and lonely. I, For the first time in my life, I, I couldn't make friends easily. I was in a lecture hall of a thousand people and I just didn't connect with anyone. And I found that really, really difficult. So I don't know, I was in the, you know, in the last part of the year, I'd failed at counting for the second time and I came home bawling my eyes out to mum and I thought, this isn't for me, but I don't know what I want to do. So we just, you know, decided to start chatting about different options and different things that I really enjoyed and hair and makeup was one of them and it's something I'd been doing since I was 15 on everyone in my water polo team that would let me <laughs> and on brothers and all of that sort of thing and it was, it was a real passion of mine. I would spend hours every night watching YouTube videos and I'd I was quite good at it and mum suggested it and we looked into courses but at the time courses were thousands of dollars and I didn't have that money behind me so mum suggested just starting an Instagram and a Facebook page and that's what I did. I continued to nanny which I'd always been doing so that was my steady income but I also, I concentrated on, you know, creating a hair and makeup business for myself. Yeah and that's so cool I think. Whatever it is for anyone, 
like that they're passionate about and love. I think people should just focus on that because I mean, you, yeah, you don't want to go somewhere where you're just not enjoying it. It's a waste of your time. You yeah, know? I'm like, so glad I didn't stick out out three years and then decide. You know, yeah. at least I only had one year of student debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a big deal. And it's no. all about learning. So that's so exciting. So you're still doing a bit of the hair and makeup, but when did it go from you nannying and doing your hair and makeup? And then obviously you started sharing your journey when you went through, like you, you made yourself accountable. So you started sharing us, talk us through that and how it's actually led to you having a full-time career and what you do now. So how did that happen? Yeah, it was that moment in the um, jewellery, you know, factory when I was deciding of how I wanted to go about the weight loss this time, how I wanted it to not be a diet, but a lifestyle change and how I was going to really stick to it this time. And I, I knew in the past, the times that I'd been the most successful with weight loss is when I'd been the most accountable. So when I told the most people, I think it just worked. And that was sort of in my nature. If I tell someone something, I'm, I'm going to do it and I'm going to achieve it. And I'm going to be there to, you know, to stick by it. So I thought, okay, if I start sharing this on Facebook and Instagram for my, just my friends and family to see, I'm going to be the most accountable and hopefully be the most successful I've ever been at this. And it was a really hard decision because I'd taken a photo and I was in a sports bra and leggings and I had all my roles exposed for the first time. I hadn't even really seen myself that way. You know, I'd always cover up. And it was it was terrifying for me to share this the side of myself I hadn't really shared to anyone. But the minute I pressed post on that, I had this incredible sense of just drive. And I knew I had to achieve what I'd set out to achieve. And I shared everything. I shared little quotes I found that, you know, motivated or inspired me. I shared little recipes I came up with. I shared progress photos along the way. I shared whether I went for a half an hour walk. It was really basic things, but quite quickly it it grew traction and it began to grow and my page spread to people outside of my friends and family. And that was quite shocking for me because I didn't really understand why they were interested or what they were what they were gaining from it. But over time it continued to grow. So I sort of tailored my posts more so around the audience that I was getting. It wasn't so much just about me and my life. It was trying to help other people on the, you know their journey. And I would start sharing photos that were really raw and quite vulnerable because I knew that that would be the way that would help inspire others to hopefully change their lives as well. And it was probably a year into my journey when there was one photo I posted, a before and after photo that went absolutely viral. It went through Huffington Post, Daily Mail, mm. everything like that. And that's when my page quite rapidly grew and I gained quite a large audience. From there onwards, I probably, you know, another year of just sharing and doing what I absolutely loved. And then I sort of noticed quite a few brands started approaching me and asking me to, you know, if they wanted to send a product or let me try a service. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. And I would share their product or service that they'd sent me. And it wasn't until my godmother said, look, you sent, you know, you were sent a t-shirt and that company's just told you you sold 180 of them. You're making them a lot of money. Why are you not charging for this? And I was like, no, Mm. it's not something you can charge for. I'm I'm just doing it because I love it. And it was that point in time that really triggered for me that maybe I actually could turn this into into a job. And that's honestly, I, I got management on board and they really helped me turn it into the career that I'm doing today. Yeah, it must be hard as well because, I mean, you sort of started doing it when influencers were becoming a thing. Like it was pretty new. You were probably one of the first ones. Um, and, yeah, it is hard when you try to turn your passion into a business because you feel like, oh, no, I'm just wanting to help people. But at the same time, like, yeah, those people can't just send you stuff and expect it to be like, you know, like that's not how it really works, you know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really even see it as a as a career or an industry like I do today. I didn't see the value and what I was doing. I didn't really understand the full force of what I actually had in front of me. But I, you know, I truly was just doing it because I loved it. And it was so selfishly because 
it kept me accountable, you yeah. know, initially. And obviously it got a lot of attention. That kind of happened around the time you went overseas and had some surgery. Uh, so tell us about the surgery that you've had. So I actually had a surgeon in the States get in touch when one of my photos went viral. And it was one where I was sharing my before and after, but also exposing my loose skin. And he got in touch and offered to perform upper body skin removal surgery on me, which was just life changing. So I ended up flying over to the States alone. There was a media team waiting for me you're there. You're so brave, yeah. honestly. You're so I didn't brave. even know who I was turning up to, whether it was a real thing or not. Um, and I remember seeing the camera crew there and just being so grateful that I wasn't just being stitched up. <laughs> and they were there and they, it was a really incredible experience and it, it was really life-changing. And doing something like that alone, it made me realise how strong I was because it was it was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. And to do it alone on the other side of the world with no friends and family for support, it was really a tough gig, but that was, it was incredibly life-changing. And while I was over there, I also had um, Tyra Banks reach out and want to get me on her show over there, which, again, a whirlwind experience and yeah. something that I still can't believe to this day was flown to L.A. on my way home only five days after skin removal surgery and was on the Tyra show. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's iconic, right? What was she like? Just more than you'd ever expect. She's so friendly and warm and personable. And when the cameras stopped rolling, she was there wanting to talk to you, wanting to know your story. She wasn't just there as the face of the TV mm. show. She was truly invested in what she had in front of her. And it was amazing. Yeah. And so from there, you know, um, you've had surgery again recently, but that was like quite a, quite a while after the first round. And what was that for? So it's been two and a half years since my initial surgery. And I've actually gone back to the exact same doctor over in the States, Dr. Repta, and I've had lower body skin removal. So that's on my bottom and thighs. Yeah. Cause obviously after a, a huge amount of weight loss, like what are you going to do with the skin? You, you know, it's a yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of skin to and like, can you can that happen? Like, can you get rid of it in New Zealand, or is it not something that's really done so much here? So with extreme weight loss, obviously, um, loose skin is a massive side effect, and it's something I was I'd sort of been warned about, but the reality of it was quite different. As I saw it forming on my body, it was it was quite terrifying because you're seeing this body that you're you're so excited for forming, but then you're also getting this loose skin that you're having to tuck into three pairs of knickers before you work out, sort yeah. of thing. And it it chafes, it's sore, it was bleeding, it just. It was hard to deal with. So, you know, the fact that that was an opportunity offered to me was just absolutely incredible. What do you think, like when you compare your surgeries, obviously they're probably very different. Which one do you think was the hardest for you? It was definitely the first surgery for me and it would have been the stomach by far was the hardest. Um, it was just the the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. But it, it was short and sharp, only two or three days of that severe, severe pain. Again, I haven't had kids, so I can't <laughs> I can't compare it to that, but it was definitely way more difficult than the lower body for me. I remember seeing a video I think you shared at that time, and it actually made me really upset because I think, oh, you hadn't been treated very well afterwards. Like there was, and you were just really upset. I remember watching it and I was like, oh, the poor thing. Like she's away from her family and you're in pain. Like, you know, like there are some tough moments when you go through these body transforming moments. Yeah, you know? that was a moment. It was, I think I was half an hour awake from my first lot of surgeries and I'd hired a nursing team to look after me for the first 24 hours, jumped in the car with her. And first thing she did was drive out onto the main road and slam on her brakes. Oh. So obviously everything in you and your tummy, which all your muscles have just been reconnected, clenches. And I've never experienced pain like that in my life. And then driving home, she had no air conditioning in her car. It was 48 degrees, oh you know, goodness. in Arizona at that time. And it was, it was, that was really hard and really horrible. And I just didn't feel really looked after. And they ended up never using the nursing team again. And there were lots of steps taken, but there were di really difficult parts. But again, it's all, all things that I think prepped me for my next surgery as yeah. well. I was more prepared. I was more aware of sort of the state I'd be in. And I felt this next lot of surgery that I had 
everything down to the fact that I took my own sheets over there because I knew I ruined the hotel sheets last time with all my blood and had to pay thousands of dollars to get those fixed. Oh my so, goodness. So I was much more prepared this yeah. time. And this time you were able to take your partner as well, which I'm sure, even though he wasn't there for the actual surgery, right? Yes, again, something went, as always it does, not to plan this time. So he came to the States with me and he was meant to be there for my first five days of recovery. Um, the surgeon actually had a death in his family, so my surgery date was pushed out five days, meaning that my partner had already flown home by the time I had surgery this time. So nothing went to plan, but there was a silver lining in that and there was a family that ended up connecting with me over there and I ended up, they're now I know they'll be friends for life and they're incredible and they reached out and I'd never met them before and they truly took me into their home and made me pretty much a daughter and looked after me, better than Trent could have, to be fair. Yeah. Now tell me about Trent because obviously you guys have been together a while now and I guess maybe I think in your book you talk about how like meeting him was pretty life-changing for you in a way, that you were on this like new healthy journey for yourself and that it was probably the first relationship maybe you had I'm not sure, like, because you'll know, but it seems like a really good relationship that you've had in that time where, you know, he sort of met you when you were going through everything and that must have been really amazing. It was. Um, meeting Trent was something I just sort of decided when I started my journey that I was going to cut out men from my life because mm. I didn't want any distractions or anything to sort of get in the way of me focusing on me. Um, and it wasn't until I'd reached my goal weight that I sort of thought, okay, I've got my weight sort of, you know, I've got down to a point where I'm really, you know, healthy and happy right now. And I can sort of allow someone else into my life because I'm I'm at a point where I've completed what I wanted to complete. And I started, you know, downloaded Tinder and started doing the old Tinder thing and went on so many dates, it was mm. unbelievable. And it wasn't until I actually had deleted the app that I got a text from someone that said, oh, you gave me your number via Tinder and I'd love to take you on a date. And that was how Trent and I connected. And he was just the first man that I'd met in a long time. He was five years younger than me, but he was the most mature and just the kindest soul I'd ever met. And he didn't know anything about me or what I'd been through. Um, and he truly got to know me for me. And he also lived a very healthy and active lifestyle. And I think that's something that really it attracted me to him because I knew that he would help me out on this journey. There'd be no sabotage anymore, like my old partner bringing me home McDonald's at midnight sort of thing. Um, it'd be someone that his beliefs really aligned with mine and he was wanting to help me, on, you know, through the next stage of my journey. He was amazing and he accepted me for every part of me, for the loose skin and all. And he's always been by my side. And I, yeah, he's truly amazing. That's so cool. I'm so <laughs> pleased to hear. Like, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, your body would have gone through so many changes that you probably getting used to having loose skin now because you'd lost all this weight and that must be like quite confronting when it's like with a new partner and like you know being naked in front of them it must be quite scary not alone like seeing it yourself and then but him being so great about it yeah really it was really reassuring for me and it's something I had had to teach myself to love so I'd got to a point where I was quite confident in my body but no matter how confident you are exposing yourself to someone else and not having the ideal body that you know every other 23 or 24 year old had at the time it was quite scary. And I thought, what's he going to think of this? What's he, you know, is he going to judge me or is he not going to want to be with someone with this sort of body? But he wasn't. He was so accepting of it. And it never, he never brought it up. He never even questioned it. And he was so loving and caring towards me and my body. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's so good to hear. Now, tell us a bit more. When did you start doing your like social media full time? When did that become your full time job for you? It probably was about a year and a half ago. Was that just sort of work just becoming quite a lot more and it was just 
you know, taking over from you being able to be a nanny full-time and do your makeup, hair and makeup, which I know you still do a bit of. Yeah. But was it just becoming a bit more work for you and you're just not able to do everything anymore? Yeah. So I was nannying full-time and I was doing my hair and makeup business in the weekends. So I was pretty much working seven days a week, but I was doing social media on the side and then it, it just sort of became this constant. Every day I was getting, you know, 10 or 20 companies approach me and it really I was, you know, I was turning a lot away because they didn't align with my beliefs and I was still being really picky with who I was working with. But it got to the point where I thought, okay, I can probably make something of this, but I've got to let something give. And at mm. that point of time, the hair and makeup was something I was so passionate for. And I loved nannying children, but it was the only thing that was really, it had set times and I had to be there at a certain time and I it wasn't flexible at all. So I thought, okay, do I make this decision or or do I not? Because it was quite, you know, it was my only reliable income. It was the only thing that was coming in constantly every week. So I sort of thought, okay, I'll have to let this one go. So I told my nannying family and it was the start of, what do I mean, the start of last year that I, you know, I was going to try and give the social media thing a crack and they were amazing with it. But that's really the next day I had two massive contracts come in, which were more than I would earn in three months of nannying in two days. And I thought, okay, this is a sign. Mm. This is meant to be and I'm meant to make this happen. And so I just put full force into into my social media. Yeah, what was it like taking that risk? It would have been quite scary. Oh, terrifying. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. I was just petrified that I wouldn't be able to pay rent, I wouldn't be able to eat, I wouldn't be able to survive. And what if I was throwing away, a, you know, a really solid, good, reliable, you know, income for something that's so up in the air? Yeah, what has that taught you though, like about from that happening and then maybe some advice you can give others when it comes to taking that leap of faith? Like what has that taught you? Oh, it truly truly did teach me that if you want something in life that you can go after and you can make it happen and that if you set your mind to it and you believe in it it's going to work for you yeah. you know you'd have to put full effort into it you can't do it the minute I was sort of just doing it half here half there it never really took off it wasn't until I made that full leap of faith and thought okay give this a crack, that everything just fell into place for me. Yeah. So what's a day in your life like? I mean, we, we see a lot of it on your social media, <laughs> but like, what's it actually like being an influencer full-time? So each day I wake up and I spend probably the first two to three hours of my day replying to oh. my followers. So I reply to emails, I reply to personal comments, I reply to direct messages. And that's something I feel so, so passionately about is that these people are the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing today and I need to put them first. So they become, they're the forefront of my day and I make sure that I've done at least three, you know, two to three hours of just replying to them and replying to comments and just engaging with them because you are a real person and they want to see a real person. So if you're just not replying to the comments, I think it just becomes sort of like anyone else online and it's it's just not as, I don't know, personal. Um, from there, I will try and fit in a gym session. Um, I will have meetings to do with new um, business ideas that companies have or how they feel that their products or services can align, and you know, with your page. I will have events, I would say, at least once or twice a day, which are always really fun. But for me, they're a, they're a chance to network and to get to know the brands that I'm potentially working with as well. Um, in the afternoon, I will try and create some social content. So get something live for my page, for my followers, whether it's an outfit post or a recipe or something like that. And then in the evenings, it's dinner time and I play netball and jump into bed. Yeah, pretty busy life. <laughs> yeah, it's very busy, but it's all so fun yeah. that it doesn't ever really feel like work. And how do you come up with ideas for your content? Like, is it, I mean, it's, it's all stuff that aligns with your lifestyle, but how do you, you know, like come up with posts and different things like that? I'm very lucky that my page is about my life and my journey to health. And I don't view health as something that's just diet or exercise. I view it as something that really encompasses your entire well-being. So whether that's how you present yourself daily or how you feel internally, or, you know, even mentally. So I truly think it just embodies us as people. So I can post about anything. And often most days I've got 
too much content to post. And I have to think, okay, I can't post 10 photos today. I've got to really scale it back. And what's the most important content to share? And I, I try on a sort of a weekly basis to share something that's got a really meaningful message as well, something that's going to truly help women out, whether that's sharing a, a photo that's, you know, say the perfect photo that I would share on Instagram and showing the reality of it behind it and how many other shots it took to get there just to show that we're all human and it's not all picture perfect all the time. So I always try and throw a little bit of realness in there each week I as well. I think that's important. Like, you know, the Instagram versus reality, I think people yeah. relate with that a lot because it's like, you know, oh God, you take so many photos to get one good photo that you're happy with. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's why people probably connect with you so much is that you are very real as well. And I think realness is very important. People can spot someone who's fake a mile away. And especially when you follow someone for so long, you work it out eventually. So yeah, no, good on you for being so real and authentic with yourself and with your followers as well. I think that's really cool. Thank you. That's something I set out from day one is that I promised myself with whatever I was going to share online that I would share the good side, I'd share the bad side and I'd share the ugly. And I I truly feel I have. I've shared every <laughs> element of my life and often probably too much for most people, but I wanted to make sure people saw the entire picture and not just the perfect little snippet of what most people see on social media. Yeah. And like, what are you most passionate about when it comes to your followers? Like what's your main message you just always want to get across to people? Definitely sharing a message of self-love and the fact that no matter what you're starting out, whether it's a life change or a life journey, to start it from a point of self-love, to start it from a point of not hating your body or your life into this new new spot, but start it from a place where you're actually, you're happy within yourself. Because I truly believe that whether you're 169 kgs or 77 kgs, if you hate yourself through that journey, you're not going to be any happier at that end weight. It's weight's not going to change or, you know, change that feeling that you have inside yourself at all. I truly feel it's something that you need to work on from the get-go. And you're going to be so much more successful because of it if you come from a place of self-love. Yeah, what are some of your tips, um, like your top tips of self-love or self-care that you think have really helped you and might help others as well? I do self-affirmations every single day. So this is something I look in the mirror and I repeat to myself that I'm strong, that I'm beautiful, that I'm confident, that I can achieve what I want to achieve. And it might be a different focus each week if it's something that I'm really struggling with. I remember with my thighs when I saw how much loose skin was on there and each day it was, it was a real struggle for me. So I thought, okay, this is going to be my focus. Every single day I preach to myself why I loved my thighs, what power they gave me, the fact that they've carried me through this journey. And, you know, before I knew it, I was in love with my thighs and I couldn't believe how powerful and wonderful and strong and beautiful they looked. And it's something that we can teach ourselves these things so that self-affirmations is number one for me. And also feeling okay to put yourself first, not always feeling like you need to put everyone in your life before you, whether it's kids, whether it's partner, whether it's taking time out for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a selfish thing. It's actually something that we need and we need need it to thrive. Yeah, I think that's another thing as well. Like you talk about your affirmations, I think it's really important because we forget how powerful our minds are. Like oh. whatever you tell it, you're going to believe. And like, if you're struggling with something or telling yourself nice things, your body and your mind is listening to you. Constantly. And if you're yeah. constantly telling yourself you what you hate about yourself, that's what you're going to start to believe. Whereas if you switch that, you can also teach yourself to believe the positive and the beautiful things about those things. Yeah, I agree. Now, what are some like daily self-care things that you always do that, that are helpful as well? Self-care for me, what I absolutely love, whether it's even half an hour, an hour of walking or some form of exercise, I think for me, it just brings such mental clarity. Um, I find it really difficult when I physically can't exercise, whether it's down to an injury or recovery. So recently I've had obviously my lower body skin removal surgery. And despite the fact that I haven't been able to gym, every day I've still made sure I've gone for a walk. And it just gives me that time to, to breathe in that space. And mm. it gets my headspace in a really, really good spot. I also think that just 
A little bit of self-presentation can really help. So if I'm having a terrible day, brushing my hair, you know, putting on a nice moisturizer, that's not even a full face of makeup, just taking a little bit of care makes you feel nice about yourself, Definitely. you know? <laughs> and what about like food things? Like are there things that you you try to do each day for, like with your food or supplements and things that help you look after yourself? Yeah, I, I take a multivitamin every day, but I think that's just, that has come down to the fact that I've had gastric sleeve surgery and it's something that I actually need to take every mm. day. Um, I love taking magnesium and that's in the evening. That helps me sleep really well. Um, I have a protein shake for breakfast every day, which is I absolutely love. It's not for everyone, but it really, I don't like the breakfast side of, you know, actually eating food and this yeah. way I can have a really balanced meal but just be able to sip it slowly over the course of an hour and not feel like I've had a really heavy breakfast. So these are all things that just, they set me up for my day and keep me in quite a good routine as well. Yeah, that's good. Routine is another one that's really important, right? I think people, when you get out of routine, you can get out of whack, feel a bit crappy. So I think you seem to stick to, like, even though you have quite busy a busy lifestyle and you do, you know, have things on, you sort of stick to a semi-routine, right? Yeah, I really try to because I feel like if I don't have my set routine in place at the start of the week, then whatever comes in, I sort of feel like I switch my exercise around and then I can no longer make it and Mm. then I'm making excuses for it. Whereas if I plan my exercise at the start of the week and say, okay, every day, 9.30, 10 o'clock class, this is what I'm going to do, lock it in and don't change it for anything. It really, I I treat them as a business meeting and it means I'm not going to move the move them around for anything really yeah this is this podcast is called the self-love club is there like a self-love moment for you that's like really been a turning point or something that you know has been really really important to you in terms of your self-love journey Mm. it's a tough question I know it's a tough question yeah like is there a moment or like something you've talked about the things you do is there I don't know it's probably a hard one to think about when did you really start learning to love yourself I think the moment I really made it a priority was the minute I decided to start losing weight. I thought I need to absolutely come from this from a really positive point. And I don't want to be miserable losing weight. I wanted this to be a happy, fun, amazing journey. And I wanted to enjoy every step of the way because I knew that as much as I, I wanted to be at my final destination, I knew that that, you know, that process and that weight loss journey was actually going to teach me so much. And the little lessons I learned along the way, the friendships that I lost, but the friendships I gained, all of that truly built me into the the person I am today. Yeah. Did you find that people treated you, you say like loss of friendships, which is totally normal in life. Did, did people treat you differently as potentially, you know, you got stronger and you, you know, your, your, your body was changing, but obviously you were becoming a stronger person mentally and physically. Did people treat you differently? Oh, absolutely. In every sense of my life, people treated me differently, whether it was people that had never met me, like shop assistants. I'd walk into the shop previously and no one would even look my way. Now, when I walk into a clothing shop, you've got four people pounce on you and ask if you need any help. Mm. And that's something that was was really, really difficult to sort of comprehend. I didn't understand why weight affected the way people treated me as a person. And I remember there was a guy in our friendship circle who previously wouldn't even talk or look at me or pay me any attention. And it was often very, very rude to me and would make awful comments. And when I sort of, I got to my goal weight and probably been about six months at that weight, um, he sent me a message on Facebook asking to take me on a date. And I I confronted him, I said, but you'd always been so rude and awful to me. And he said, well, it's because you used to be fat and ugly and now you're not, now you're pretty. And I thought, well, that really just shows. Go on the date with him. Shit, no, absolutely (laughs) not. No, no, no. 
mate, definitely not happening. And he was very persistent and he oh. was trying to push his sort of his side of the story and I just, I couldn't understand it and couldn't comprehend it. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've, I haven't really come to terms with that fully yet because I personally don't think weight should affect how someone treats no, you as a I person. No, I don't think so. I mean, you're always the same person. Oh. Just eventually over time we become, all of us, no matter what we go through, we just become hopefully stronger and better versions of ourselves. Absolutely. So like, yeah, did you find, like, the, it would have been a lot, I guess, for you, like comparisons of how people treated you before and then after the weight loss. But do you think, especially with men, they treated you very differently? Not just that that one person, but have you found that men as a whole treated you a lot differently? Yeah, definitely. Um, I used to get awful snarky comments just walking down the road in Ponsonby, but, you know, men calling out your fat pig or your fat cow or your oh. whale. Um, I obviously don't I don't get that now, and you might get a cat call or that sort of thing. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's pretty <laughs> – both sides of it are awful, to yeah. be fair, but it just shows that how some people can think. And, it, yeah, it's not really a reflection of us at all. No, definitely. And, like, with your social media, when it comes to working with brands and things, is it hard, like, choosing who to work with and who not to work with? Because, you know, like, obviously you want to work with what suits you the best. Yeah. How do, you, how do you sort of work that all out? I don't find it difficult at all because I look at the companies that approach me and I sort of have this mentality. I think, have I used this product? If I have and I love it, that's quite easy. I think, great, it's a brand or a product or a service that I truly believe in. If it's something that I haven't tried, I will give it a go. I'll give it a go for, you know, the, a sort of a set period of time. And if it's a supplement, I'll give it a go for months before I even agree to, to working with it. And if I think it's made a difference or it's a really, you know, a, really a product that's going to, benefit people's lives, then I will 100% work with the brand. And I try and choose brands that I align with, that my beliefs align with. Um, I also like to meet the people behind the brand. And I think if I get on with them as people as well, that's a really good starting point as yeah. well. I don't want to be working with a brand who's who's sort of, you know, the face of them. It's not someone I connect with on a personal level. Yeah. And I think all the time people on Instagram, you know, see influences, all this stuff, and they're like, wow, they get all this stuff. It must be amazing. But like, it must be pretty full on, you know, getting seen a lot of stuff all the time. And obviously you can't share everything and you're not going to share everything. So yeah, like what's it like on a daily basis with, I mean, it's amazing having all these things turn up, but gosh, your recycling bin must be so full. <laughs> it is ridiculous. We're constantly walking down the street on the recycling day to try and fit our boxes into all the neighbours. I think they think we're crazy. Um, but it is, I, I could have the courier go 10, 10 times in a day easily. Wow. Um, this morning, I think it went five times before I'd even left the home at 8am. So it, it's it's nonstop. But I also, every package that you receive, I, I look at it and I think, is this something that I would use or believe in and then if it if it is and it's something that looks cool I will tell people that it's something I've been sent I'm very open and honest with that I never disguise the fact that it's a, a free product um, if I ever do a sponsored post it will say sponsored on the top um, I want to be transparent with it and that way people can take from what I'm saying what they what they want to take from it but I'm only ever going to share a product or a service that I 100% believe in and that works with my lifestyle yeah and what's your obviously this is what you're going to be doing now like what's your plans going forward I mean you've got your book which is incredible have you got any other things that you really want to do um, yeah, any other exciting projects yeah, you can tell absolutely. us absolutely I have started doing quite a bit of motivational speaking around New Zealand so I've got a tour coming up of Auckland Wellington Christchurch so it's those sort of things that I'm really trying to step into. Um, I love the idea of being able to actually meet 
the people that follow me face to face. And I love the idea of spreading my message on a really personal level, not just via a computer screen. Um, it's something that definitely terrifies me. Public speaking is not <laughs> not easy, um, but I'm getting more and more used to it. And I'm actually walking away every time feeling more and more confident with, with the message and what I've shared. So that's definitely the next step for me is a lot more um, public speaking and motivational gigs like that. How do you deal with the amount of people that message you, like comment, all that stuff? Like, I just, I honestly don't know how you do it. Like it's a lot of time and energy. I know that you say that it's really important to you to reply to your people and everything like that, your followers, but like, is it a lot of your energy and do you, like, how do you do it? It's a lot of my energy. It's more than a full-time job. I think when I really step back and look at it, some days you could spend something like 20 hours on your phone, nonstop replying. And, you know, that's where I've had to come into sort of more of a business mind about it and think, okay, I've got to set it to work hours. And after that, I've really got to limit it. So I'm not going to be sitting there in bed with my partner replying to Instagram comments. I've really got to see it as a as a sort of nine to five and that's the hours I'm going to work on it. And then outside of that, I'll do it if I feel like it and I, f- I feel like I've got a little bit of time. But I, I it does start to take over, but I, I do love it. I absolutely love what I do and I just have to, you know, little things like if we go away for a weekend, I will turn the phone off for the weekend um, and not not worry about social if we're having a quiet weekend together, you know? Yeah, it's like setting those boundaries for yourself and your relationship so that, you know, it doesn't all become about just your Instagram or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. There's way more to life than (laughs) than social media. (laughs) Yeah, and like how do you deal with people sending negative comments or saying negative things? I mean, you must have gotten a lot stronger with dealing with it, but... You know, sometimes we will see people get nasty comments. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, initially I found it, it was terrifying and it was awful. And I would, honestly, one comment could leave me crying for days. um, And it's all I would think about. And I would scrutinize myself. If they told me I looked like a transvestite, say, and I get this call a lot, I would look in the mirror and just scrutinize and think, what element of me, what, you know, and I'd want to change these things. And I'd, I'd start to believe this comment and really let it get to me. But now... I honestly, I've got ways of dealing with it. I brush it off and I, I try and think of the positive. Transvestites are fabulous. They're yeah, beautiful. They're beautiful, Yeah, they? they're more glamorous than I'll ever be, you know, <laughs> and they've got great legs. So <laughs> those sort of things, I'm like, oh, well, that's a compliment. It's not a, you know, it's not a negative thing. And I often, if they're really nasty comments, I'll just delete them. And I just try and forget about them yeah. quite quickly because I have truly do believe that it's more of a reflection of them than me. I know that I am sharing a really positive message online and that I'm not doing anything to hurt anyone else, whereas they're trying to bring people down and cause a bit of negativity in the world, whereas that's something I want to do the absolute opposite of. I want to bring people up, I want to build people up and want to make, you know, women in general feel fabulous about themselves. Yeah, and I think often it's like one negative comment to like probably 50 to 100 positive and it's like often... Like in anything in life, we'll just focus on the bad thing instead of the good. And it's like you're letting one little thing spoil all the good. Like we all do it. Yeah. Um, and That's it's something like, my partner taught me. And he said, okay, so how many negative comments have you got today? And I'd be like three. He's like, how many beautiful comments or messages have you got? I'd be like 500. Yeah. He's like, focus on them. Read the positive. Totally. Delete the negative. And it, that's what I do now. And all I need to do is read one beautiful message after a negative one to think, I know why I'm doing this, this yeah. you know, and I, it's these women that I want to, you know, these men and women that are making it worthwhile for me. Yeah, because you are sharing, like, I mean, it's your life. You're not just sharing, like, a, it's not like you're sharing your, I mean, it's your business, but you're not, you know, you're sharing your body and your life <laughs> and, like, a lot of, you know, quite um, your, the images of your body and, you know, like, people could probably say some pretty horrible things. Oh, absolutely. I saw a couple actually when you had your last surgery and I was like, people were so revolting, the things they were saying. And like, I was like, oh my goodness, Simone's like in this probably quite emotional, vulnerable state. Like after surgery, you're very, very vulnerable. 
Um, yeah, that wouldn't have been nice seeing all those. Yeah, in the initial couple of weeks after my last lot of surgery, I had some pretty awful messages shared online and I'd never previously really responded or engaged with with these people or really given them, you know, any sort of time of day. Um, but I was sitting there and I was in, in yeah, my weakest state and I thought these people are preying on me at my at my absolute mm. lowest and they they truly know how to how to bring me down. And I thought, okay, what can I do to sort of put a stop to this, but not necessarily for me. I'm, you know, even though I was at my weakest, I'm still a confident 27-year-old woman. I've been through a lot. And I was more thinking, what if a vulnerable 14-year-old received these messages or she was told she was fat and ugly and worthless and should die? And I thought, I want to put a stop to this, not just for me, but for other women and other men dealing with these issues. So I started sharing the comments with the names of the people that had, you know, said the comments and tagging them in in a highlight reel on my Instagram story. I'm not joking. I went from probably 15 to 20 awful messages a day down to one or two a week. People don't actually like being confronted with the Mm. fact that they're being nasty online. They think they're being nameless and they think they're doing it behind people's backs. But in reality, it's a real person. And it's someone that actually has to read these comments and has to then go on and try and have a successful day when you've just had the most nastiest thing in the whole world said to you. Yeah, and especially things like go die. I mean, I'm sorry, but that is one of the worst things you could ever say to anyone. And you don't know what's going on in their day. A hundred percent. You don't know what they're dealing with. And they could already be at a really weak point and that could tip them over. And would you... I can't imagine wanting to ever say that to anyone. I would just never say, you just, I don't know, I think most people wouldn't even say something nasty. Like, if you don't like someone's dress or you don't like the way it looks, you wouldn't say anything. You just keep Does, it, just keep it to yourself and who cares? It's not, it doesn't matter. Like, well, you think about it. I know, you know, how many nasty messages I have received weekly. Not once in person has someone come up to me and said, oh, your face looks so ugly today, you need a nose job. Oh. But yet I get that online constantly on a weekly basis mm. and that just makes no sense. It just shows that people do feel like they're entitled to an opinion when they're behind a keyboard. Do you think, though, like as your journey went on, you got, obviously you've gotten a lot stronger and you already were very strong. Do you think that affected you, though? Like you're sharing your body and your journey. Do you think some of those comments did affect you and like, oh, well, I'm, I am showing my face and my body a lot. Maybe I should take some of these, you know, maybe I should take not the comments on board, but, you know, not at all because they're disgusting. But do you think it made you think about how you looked a lot more? Oh, definitely. Um, I think you initially, I really, I honestly would, I would scrutinise myself and I would think, do I need that nose job or is, you know, and it, it just was honestly with chatting to my friends and family that they obviously reassured me and they really made me feel more positive about about myself because they were so reassuring and they they reminded me that it was actually probably these people's insecurities that they were pushing onto someone else and it really was no fault of my own and that I I don't need to worry about what other people think as long as I'm happy and confident in myself. That's all that matters. I think good on you for, I know it's a, it's a tough one with haters and trolls. Like you just want to ignore them. But at the same time, you sometimes have to put a, a name to them because otherwise they'll just keep doing it. Absolutely. And I sort of figure if I can call them out and stop them from just saying that to one other person online, I've sort of done my part. You and you know? might not even need to do it ever again but now. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you probably don't want to do that all the time because no. you'll probably be like, oh, I'm giving them too much attention. Absolutely. But. Oh, wow. From time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Hey, congrats on your book. Congrats on everything. I love following you online and what you're Aww. all about. I think, um, yeah, I think it's really good for us to have positive people who have, like, gone through it themselves as well um, and people can relate to, you know. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to ask you. It means so much. Thank you so Aww, much. Oh, <laughs> so exciting. I thank you so much for being a part of this. And, like, what are some, any, like, l- lasting pieces of advice you'd like to 
give anyone like some positive words because we get a lot of positivity from you all the time, but is there something you want to end this on or like a message? Yeah, just truly try and be kind to yourself. Give yourself a break and something that, you know, someone said to me once is if you wouldn't say that to your best friend or your boyfriend or your husband, don't say it to yourselves. Don't beat yourself up up if you can't make it to the gym that day because you'd never beat your best friend up for not going to the gym. Be a little bit, you know, relaxed on yourself and be kind on yourself because we're all dealing with different things and we can all get there in the end. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes. We have some super empowering girl bosses coming up. To find out more about our boss babe guests and for the Self Love Club resources and blog posts, check out my website, bellcrawford.com, and you can follow me at bellcrawford with one L on Instagram and Facebook. Catch you soon, babes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.